Want to know what the Diocese of Orange is up to? Come and see on Saturday, October 12th at our free Diocesan Ministry Celebration. Starts with Mass at 9 in the brand new Christ Cathedral. Hear from Bishops Kevin Van, Timothy Fryer, and Tai as they each lead presentations in three different languages, English, Spanish, and Vietnamese, on the direction of the diocese and the increased focus on evangelization and faith formation. Go to rcbo.org slash dmc. That's rcbo.org slash dmc. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Patrick Creedon, who has created a documentary on one of America's greatest unsung heroes, the Reverend Theodore Hesburgh and Father Ted, uh, as he's affectionately known, was president of Notre Dame University for much of the second half of the 20th century. He has earned the United States Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Gold Medal. And this documentary explains why this man is an American hero. So first of all, Patrick, I want to thank you for being with us on today's program. Thanks for having me, Rick. You're very welcome. And let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we ask you to be with us, helping us to do your will and granting us all your peace. We thank you for giving us an opportunity today to learn a little more about a great priest who was able to lead a great university in order to do some really stupendous things for your will in this world and in the United States. We ask you to open our eyes and our ears so that we might understand a little more completely uh, what your calling is for us in this and in the types of things that uh, Father Ted Hesburgh would want us to learn. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, Patrick, I want to thank you for being here. Patrick, tell us just a little bit about this documentary and the company that you, that, that put it together that I understand you're, you're in charge of. Tell us a little bit about this. Sure. Um, my wife and I are a documentary filmmaking team. We're based in Los Angeles and we are literally a a mom and pop shop. We have three daughters. They're around all the time. They, They kind of, they're still younger and there's the high school and middle school. So they don't actually work with us, but they are very much a part of what we do. We have made seven different feature length films over the last 15 years or so. Um, we've won a lot of awards. We've traveled around the world. It's, it's been really fun. We, we really enjoy what we do. And, and uh, we, we started our career back in 2006 with a movie called Wordplay. It was a uh, story about the New York Times crossword puzzle. And uh, believe it or not, it was a very unlikely hit. That sounds unlikely. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Although I know there are people Um, who are really into that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Believe me. 
So that movie was premiered at Sundance in 2006, and it went on to be the second highest grossing documentary in the country that year. Wow. Um, and it was the best reviewed documentary. We, we won a bunch of awards. It was, it was really a great way to launch our, our filmmaking careers. Yeah. And so we've like... been doing that ever since. Um, the story, the film that we are talking about today is the movie called Hesburgh, uh, which is about, as you mentioned, it's about Father Theodore Hesburgh, affectionately known as Father Ted. He was the president of the University of Notre Dame for 35 years. I, I'm a graduate of Notre Dame. And I understand the blood the blood runs pretty thick in your family for yeah, Notre Dame. It does. It does. So my grandfather actually went to school with the Four Horsemen. Um, he graduated <laughs> in 1928. They, they were actually his classmates. Okay. Um, my father was class of 60, and I was class of 89. Um, wow. And, you know, I, I love Notre Dame, and I love going to school there. Um, Father I, Ted, I've, I've been there. I love Notre Dame too when it's spring and fall. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a little cold in the winter time. Yeah, um, but Father Ted passed away at the age of ninety-seven um, back in two thousand fifteen. It was actually the same year my father passed away, and I really wanted to go back to Notre Dame and I wanted to revisit this story of Father Ted um, and try to figure out exactly why he had become and how he had become such an influential figure in the second half of the 20th century. You know, at Notre Dame, the the legends seem to be everywhere, um, whether it's football players or students or alums or professors, you name it. Uh, there's lots of stories on that campus. And probably one of the biggest stories was the legend around Father Ted and he he was always known as this larger than life character. Well, let's... and I wanted to see I wanted to see why I, I wanted to figure out. I, I kind of went at it with went at the story with a slightly skeptical eye because I I almost couldn't believe all of the things I had heard about him and all of the things that he had been involved in. Well, that's and, where I, that's where I want to yeah, head to well, for just a second is before we, we get into any more about why you did this because I do want to come back to that in just a moment. This is a man who, we're not just talking about a president of a university. This is a man who was involved in, in many historically significant events that took place from the 1950s through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And every major event you can think of that was on the, oh, I hate to say the right side of history, but were, that were, it, that were culturally important, whether it was a civil rights movement or even just just even allowing women into Notre Dame, I mean, this was a man who was in the in that presence. So when you're talking about larger than life, you're talking about a man who was a friend of multiple presidents, who was a friend of of people around the world. He was he was huge. Yeah, he he was kind of a Forrest Gump of of the second half of the 20th century. He was involved. Here's a very short list, but he was involved in. Nuclear non-proliferation on, on a global stage. He was incredibly involved in civil rights. He was one of the original members of the Civil Rights Commission, which was formed in 1957. He was right in the middle of the student protest movement. Uh, and as the president of Notre Dame, he had to really figure out how best to allow students to protest 
against an unpopular war, but at the same time, make sure that, that those students and the students around them were safe and that they could continue their education. So he, he was involved in immigration. He was involved. He monitored elections in Central America. He was very, very close to Pope Paul VI. They were very close friends. I mean, it kind of goes on and on and on, the different efforts that he was engaged in during his lifetime. And I think the reason he was asked to do so many things boiled down to one simple fact. He was a person that people liked and that people respected. And everything grew from that. He, he was somebody who, even if you disagreed with him, it was hard not to sit across the table from Father Ted and not have the highest respect for him and know that he was a straight shooter. He didn't have multiple agendas. Uh, he was always on the side of social justice and always on the side of trying to help those less fortunate than some of the others uh, in society. That was his, he did that every single day, and he was very good at it. And so what we found is we found this really kind of an ordinary man in some ways who lived an extraordinary life. And his story of leadership and of kindness and of wisdom and of patience uh, and of, you know, doing the right thing really resonates in the moment that we're, that we're in right now. I, I think we have a crisis of leadership in our country at the moment. Our leaders aren't talking to each other. Everyone's yelling at everybody. It's, it's, it's you know, it, I look at the newspaper and think to myself, you know, we're better than this. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and, and I think that's part of the reason why our story of Father Ted Hesburgh is so incredibly timely right now. One of the things that I saw very interesting, and, I, and I, again, I want to get back to how this in, influenced you as you were trying to cover the story, so to speak, but he was a, a friend of presidents from both sides of the aisle, and he was a friend yeah. of politicians from both sides of the aisle. And this was at a time when you had Democrats who could be conservative and Republicans who could be liberal, and they were talking to each other. And cool. you, you have now today a situation where so few are willing to talk to each other. And he really represented kind of the embodiment of come, let us reason together. We can all, we can all find, find ways to, to help if that's really what we want to do. You were mentioning before that you kind of saw him as larger than life and at first skeptical. What was it that hit you the most out of that that made you decide, I really need to cover this. I need to do a documentary on this. Well, I think the, the biggest motivating factor was that I was afraid that Father Ted's story was going to fade away. Uh, and if you, if, you, if you ask people just walking down the street if, if they've ever heard of this person, gosh, 95% of the people out there don't know who he is, don't know anything about him. Now, if you talk to people who went to Notre Dame or people who are Catholic, quite a few people, Notre Dame people know who he is for sure. And then some Catholics know the name. I think more Catholics know Touchdown Jesus more than they know uh, who Reverend, yeah. who Father Ted was. Exactly. So, yeah. And so, so what really motivated us was that when someone lives the kind of life that he lived and taught the kind of lessons that he taught just by his actions uh, and his deeds, you don't want that to go. You don't want that to fade away. 
you know, you want to, that's why I love making documentary films is these stories are true. You, you can't make this stuff up. Um, he, he actually, there's a great, there's a great story between him and Jimmy Carter in the late seventies. Father Ted had gone to Central America to monitor an election. He did this as a favor to President uh, Carter. Um, so he went down there. He was in a helicopter. You know, there were armed guards following him around, making sure he was safe. I mean, it was a top-secret mission, and it was in a war zone. So it was um, it was dangerous. But Father Ted and a small group of people went down to monitor the elections. They came back. They gave the president a full report. The president was, was really was really happy and grateful and said to Father Ted, you know, I really owe you a favor. What would you like? And he, he shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Father Ted never missed an opportunity to do something fun and to do something adventurous. So he said to President Carter, he said, I, you know, I've, I've always wanted to fly on the world's fastest airplane. And um, I know the SR-71 uh, is Blackbird. that plane. I'd, I'd like I'd love to fly. I'd love to fly on that plane. And President Carter said to him, "Well, gosh, you know, Father Ted, it's not really customary for a civilian. Rather, it's not customary for a civilian to ride on a top secret airplane." And Father Ted said, "Well, I I thought you were commander in chief." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny story. And next thing you know, there he is. On board. He had to do three, three days of training. He had to hop into something that basically almost looked like a NASA suit, like a yeah. space, space suit. And uh, he went up in the SR-71, and they went 2,200 miles per hour, wow. uh, which is, I want to say that's up around Mach 3. Yeah, that's, um, that's up there. That was the kind of person that Ted was. He, he, he loved to do, he loved to help people out he loved to he loved to to help solve problems he loved adventure that was one of my favorite things about him we're coming to a break here when we come back i want to get into some of the meat of his life you're listening to patrick creeden who is talking about the movie that he the documentary he just produced hesburgh which is about father theodore hesburgh who was president of notre dame who lived an extraordinary life you're listening to orange county radio i'm rick howick your host and we will be right back Are you planning your summer staycation? Stay cool and enjoy Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel exhibition in the Cathedral Cultural Center on Christ Cathedral Campus. We're conveniently located near exits off the 5, 57, and 22 in Garden Grove, close to Disneyland but with plenty of free parking. Enjoy viewing each of Michelangelo's 34 frescoes in life-size, up-close, never-before-seen perspective. Explore this stunning artwork at your own pace and admire it from close-up that's physically impossible to achieve in the actual Sistine Chapel. Get your tickets now at SistineExhibit.com. Special pricing available for children, college students, military, seniors, and groups of 10 or more. That's SistineExhibit.com. from Trending with Timory. My guest this week on Trending is Michael Knowles from Daily Wire. We'll be talking about this preferred pronoun insanity that even people are expected to tell you what their preferred pronoun is in their email signature. We'll also be talking about Michael Knowles' conversion back into Catholicism. Make sure to join me for that and more on Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific here on Relevant Radio. 
And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Patrick Creedon, who has produced an extraordinary documentary on Father Theodore Hesburgh. And Father Ted, as he is affectionately known, was the longtime president of Notre Dame University. And while for most people, hearing about a president of a university might sound like, all right, so what? Doesn't really affect me a whole lot. Oh, this person's life. As I, as I was listening earlier, Patrick made the comment that this is kind of, kind of like having Forrest Gump, uh, in there. He was everywhere on every historical issue that was going on. And Patrick, you were telling us just before we left how after doing a favor for President Carter, he asked for a personal favor, which was to go for a ride in the SR-71, the top secret famous uh, aircraft that replaced Gary Powers' plane uh, that got shot down. Uh, the SR-71 took him like over 2,200 miles an hour, something like that. And uh, this is not your ordinary man. This is certainly someone who enjoyed the life that God gave him, but was willing to push it to the max in order to accomplish a lot. You said that he had gone down as a favor for Mr. Carter, for President Carter to monitor this election, but he starts off uh, in his involvement with social justice issues really in the 1950s with a lot of involvement in the civil rights movement. Tell me how that worked. Is President Notre Dame to also be involved in the civil rights movement? What happened there? Well, Father Ted was, um, he became president of Notre Dame in 1952. He was a very young man. He's only 35 years old. And a couple of years later, he was asked by the Vatican to be an ambassador to a nuclear peace conference, I should say. It was the International Atomic Energy Commission. And the goal was to make sure that these nuclear weapons uh, didn't didn't destroy all of humankind. So this was uh, Pius so XII who was asking him to do that. Yeah. I think that's right. So yeah. this was, this was in 1955. That would still be Pius XII. So he yeah. so he went to Austria and he's in Vienna and um, and that's where this conference took place. And he was there for several months and he was incredible. He be, because he was there representing. The Vatican and not America. He was there representing the Vatican. He was able to be a go-between between the Americans and the Russians, and he built a bridge between those two camps um, because they were really not allowed to speak to each other. They were not allowed to be photographed with each other. It was it was silly, really. I mean, these two big superpowers who both had nuclear weapons in their arsenal went to this very well-meaning conference, and were not able to really talk to each other. Enter Father Ted Hesburgh. He became the go-between between these two camps. And guess who was watching very closely back home was President Eisenhower. Of course, he heard he heard about how he heard about this young priest, Father Hesburgh, who had done such a great job in the nuclear non-proliferation efforts that a few years later. When President Eisenhower formed the six-person Civil Rights Commission, there was only six people on the on the commission in the beginning. Um, Father Ted was one of the people asked to do it. That's how Father Ted wow. came to the attention of President Eisenhower. So he was able to to get the attention of the Vatican, and he was sent to be a go-between because the Pope 
recognized a, a good arbiter when he sees one, and he was able to arbitrate. And now you've got uh, the former general, <laughs> not president, but the former general who's all a good general is always looking for good number two men, and Absolutely. and that's what he saw in in Father Hesburgh, and he was able to to get him to be one of the starting six for the human right for the uh, civil rights commission that's a fantastic that's story exactly right yeah and the thing that it's hard to it's hard to even really imagine this because it was a long time ago but in the mid-50s america was was really tearing itself apart along racial lines and there was actually there was a russian delegation back in the mid-50s i want to say 55 56 they came over to visit America. They did quite a bit of traveling within the States. And when they went down south, this Russian delegation was appalled at what they saw in the south. You know, no blacks here, whites-only restroom, whites-only water drinking fountain. They couldn't believe it. And America was really forced to look at itself in the mirror and realize that despite the Civil War and despite Brown versus Board of Education, which had happened a few years earlier, which ruled that, that separate uh, but equal is unconstitutional. Despite those advances, we were still stuck. We had a terrible racial problem on our hands. And that's when, that's when, when President Eisenhower said, listen, Congress is not going to get this done. They're not going to create the right laws. They're not going to get it done quickly enough. I'm going to I'm going to name a six person commission, three three guys from the north, three guys from the south, three Democrats and three Republicans, and together those six people are going to basically draw up a blueprint. They're going to study the situation, draw up a blueprint, and come back with a proposal. Um, there's actually kind of a funny story with that. Um, Father Ted was the, the sixth and final person that President Eisenhower asked to be on the commission. And he said, you know, we have three Democrats and uh, we have two Republicans, and I'd like you to be the sixth person on the team and be my third Republican. And Father Ted said, well, I'm, I'm actually an independent. And President Eisenhower said, well, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, so was General Eisenhower, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So... As I recall, there had been a, a tie with the – it was a contest as to which party gets to nominate uh, General Eisenhower to be president. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> he, he probably could have won on any ticket. Um, yeah. But that's know, a great story because it way. illustrates just how important it was for uh, him to be that independent voice. That's also very interesting because you said there were six people on there, two Republicans, three Democrats, and an independent – and I assume the Democrats were mostly from the South at that time. That was the groups, I assume that's where it, where it would have been. And to say that they were able to work together is an amazing thing as well. Well, that's the thing is that the, these members of the Civil Rights Commission, they were all, you know, very accomplished and, and well-respected sort of elders, if you will, elder statesmen. They were all men. And yet they they had really very, very strong differences of opinion on what this thing should look like. And Father Ted, this is actually really shocking to me. The average age of the five other commissioners was 65. Yeah, it doesn't Father shock. Ted had just turned 40. I was going to say about 40. <laughs> he was a very young man yeah. when he was asked to be on that commission. And what he did, and really this is part of his legacy, not just with civil rights, but in, in all the work that he did, was he was the guy 
who brought people together. He really was. He literally. They were in Shreveport, Louisiana, trying to bang out the blueprint for the what would become the Civil Rights Act of 1964. But they were trying to make their recommendations to the president, and they were getting nowhere. And Father Ted said, I'll tell you what, who wants to go fishing? <laughs> They're like, what? Said, Let's go fishing. He got a plane. He flew the commissioners and their staff to northern Wisconsin. There's a place up there called Land Lakes, which the Holy Cross Order owns. It's a retreat. And they went fishing five days. And they ate steaks and they ate fish. And at night they would have a couple of bourbons. And they got to know each other. And they got to like each other. And by the end of that trip, they had 12 recommendations. 11 of them were agreed upon unanimously. Wow. Um, and they, hand that, they handed those recommendations to President Eisenhower. Now, politics being, you know, the tricky game that it is, it still took another five years for that blueprint to become the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Yeah, another two presidents, uh, too. It was another two, exactly. Yeah. And... But three days after John F. Kennedy was assassinated, guess who showed up at the White House? Father Ted. And he said to President Johnson, he said, listen, we have an opportunity now. In all of this sadness and grieving that our country is doing right now, we have an opportunity to finally make this a law. This is the blueprint, and this will be your legacy if you can get this done. This was and seven months later it was signed into law. It's an amazing thing too, because as you're looking at the politics of it all, here you had Democrat President Johnson trying to push a law that the Southern Democrats, for a lot of reasons, couldn't sign and had to negotiate with the Republicans to get them to sign on so that it could become a law. And, and there is this priest in the middle of all of it try to make sure it all happens. It's an amazing story as to how that comes about. What, I, what I'm what i finding fascinating as well about what you're saying is that this was a man that no matter what group of people he was engaged with, he always kept his eye on the prize, so to speak. He kept his eye on where we're going to go, that we might have all these recommendations, but they haven't done anything yet. They're still sitting up on a shelf. And he saw an opportunity where everyone else saw grief to be able to say, hey, we can make this time mean something special if we can move this legislation through. What a great vision this priest must have had. Yeah, he, you know, and that's, I'm glad you mentioned that about him being a priest. He obviously wore a Roman collar. The minute he walked into a room, everyone knew he was a priest. But that was a, that was the, the defining characteristic of Father Ted. He was He was a priest and he felt it was his duty to serve others and to forego the chance to have a wife and to have a family and instead just to serve others. Um, he said he actually, one of the things he says in the movie, in an interview he gave years ago, he said, you know, somebody asked him, it was Phil Donahue asked him, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to, to get married? <laughs> and he's, Phil, he's Phil like, Donahue, a former Catholic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really funny interview because Phil Donahue says to him, Phil Donahue actually also went to Notre Dame, um, but yeah. he said to Father Ted, he said, you know, it's very funny. He goes, you're a very handsome guy, <laughs> and you know, like, <laughs> oh man, it. and I'm sure I'm sure that there's a lot of women 
who really are drawn to you. You're you're so charismatic, and he's going out. He's really laying on thick. And he says to Father Ted, he's like, you know, wouldn't you like to get married? Isn't that something you ever wouldn't you wouldn't you want to do that? And Father Ted said, no. You know, I made that decision when I was 18 years old, and I feel like the price of belonging to everyone is that I can't belong to anyone. Wow. That's a great story. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Patrick Creedon, and we are talking about uh, Father Theodore Hesburgh, who was the legendary president of Notre Dame University, and he spans American history for the last half of the 20th century. When we come back, I want to not only go a little more into some of the other things that uh, Father Ted had done, I want to also hear a little bit more about your story, uh, Patrick, and we'll get into that story when we come back. Stick around. Calling Southern California educators. Are you looking for field trip ideas for the 2019-2020 academic year? From now through January 11, 2020, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel Traveling Exhibit will be in Southern California in the Cultural Center on Christ Cathedral Campus in Orange County. Enjoy viewing each of Michelangelo's frescoes in life-size, up-close, never-before-seen perspective. Explore this stunning artwork at your own pace. Get your tickets now. Go to SistineExhibit.com. Special pricing available for groups. Book now before it's too late. Again, that's SistineExhibit.com. And awaken your curiosity to the innovative and unique interpretation of Michelangelo's timeless masterpiece. Wherever people enter the 35-acre Christ Cathedral campus, they are greeted by the splendor of our Catholic faith and nowhere more than by celebrating Sunday Mass in our newly dedicated Christ Cathedral or by touring Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel exhibition. Christ Cathedral Shop, located off the lobby in the Cathedral Cultural Center, offers inspirations of faith, from Catholic cards to crucifixes, mugs to mouse pads, and sacred art to statues of the saints. Visitors can choose from commemorative items and gifts from a wide array of Catholic Bibles, books, and all things Catholic. Make Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove your destination and visit our Christ Cathedral Shop. The shop with something for everyone. Experience Christ Cathedral today. Then share your memories and so much more. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. With me today on the phone is Patrick Creedon from Los Angeles, and he is a maker of documentaries, and not just any documentaries. The latest one is on the Reverend Theodore Hesburgh, who is a priest, but also was the president of Notre Dame University for many years, and as part of that role, had a platform from which he was able to be involved with some of the most important decisions that were made. There are pictures of him in with presidents, with popes, with all sorts of, of people from the civil rights era, from all across American history in that time period. And we've been talking about how fascinating this was. I'm kind of curious, though, Patrick, how has being a 
documentarist, uh, someone who actually deals with the history of these people. How has that affected you and your wife? Since the two of you are the ones that are putting this together, you just did a documentary on a, a, a saint, someone who has gone into. He's not. He's not canonized yet, but I have little doubt that fifty hundred years from now he will be. You've been dealing with the raw material from that. How does that affect you? Well, I think about Father Ted every day. In fact, right next to my bed, I have a picture of my kids and my wife, and I have a, a little note that I wrote while we were making Hesburgh. And it just says kindness. And I taped that up next to my bed, uh, next to the picture of my family. Father Ted's superpower, if you will, his secret weapon was his kindness. And that really rubbed off on me. It made me want to be a better person. It wanted me to be more patient, maybe think things through a little more rigorously before acting or reacting um, and so he rubbed off on me, and I think he rubbed off on a lot of our teammates who helped us make the film. One of our editors started going back to daily, uh, weekly mass. Uh, that's fantastic. Our, one of our writers actually started going to daily mass. And, and that's fantastic. It, and it, it sort of, uh, his story helped a lot of us connect and, and reconnect with, you know, with our Catholic faith. Most of a lot of us who worked on the film went to Notre Dame. Not all of us, but a lot of us were um, went there and are Catholic. But not a lot of us are are practicing as much as we did maybe when we were younger. And I think, in a way, not that this movie is—it's not a religious movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's really an American history story. But you find um, that his strength was in his faith and in being a priest. And I found that to be very inspiring. So even for people who are not religious or they're maybe members of a different religion, the power of his faith, I think, is what made the difference in his life and helped him become this sort of social justice warrior, I would call him, throughout his life. He lived for 97 years, and he... He lived an amazing life, which set a great example for how to live your own life. Now, you went to Notre Dame. There are many people who go to Notre Dame and never meet uh, the president. Did you ever meet the man? Did you ever hear him speak? Well, you had to hear I him never, speak. You never, I never met him. Never met him. I never, I, I never met him. Now, I, I used to see him on campus walking around. He retired when I was a sophomore. Um, uh, and then he took the next year off, so he he was he traveled he was the world yeah. uh, the year after he retired. So I mean, I saw him around, and I I was he was a little intimidating because you know he here's a guy who had uh, by the time he passed away he had 150 honorary degrees from <laughs> universities all around the world. That's that's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Wow, no one has ever come close to that. So he was this larger than life character who I knew a lot about and I would see him and I would hear him speak. And I always sat there wondering, like, how did he get to become this, this giant of the 20th century? And is a lot of this just, is it kind of myth making around him or, or was he the real deal? And I could tell you, he was, he was the real deal. Uh, and then some, he just, um, I keep going back to Thomas Jefferson because Jefferson was a writer and he was a visionary and he was an educator. But he could only handle part of the gospel. He had to cut up part of the book. 
I suspect that Father Father Ted could take the whole thing. Yeah, but there was something about Father Ted that I think he's one of the I think he's one of the great American leaders of all time, and not just of his time, but of all time. It, it's funny. One of the things that that happened while we were making the film was the musical Hamilton uh, kind of blew up. You know, or, yeah. that became a sensation. Yeah. So, and in a way. That's also very reminiscent of Father Ted in the sense that you watch his story and you can't believe that he was involved in so many different things that he was involved in. I'll tell you, the one thing about the film that I that I really love is despite all the history and all the major players in the film and the popes and the presidents and the Vietnam War and student protests and, you know, it's this big sweeping American drama. The, at the end of the day, the movie is really, it's a very, very emotional film. It's very sad at the end when he passes away, uh, but it's also incredibly inspiring. If you're looking for sort of a, an emotional shot in the arm, almost a spiritual shot in the arm, this is the film for you. Um, it is really something that audiences are, are tremendously moved by this story. Um, we've made a lot of movies about a lot of different topics, and we've, we've been very lucky in our career with some of the projects that we have done. I've never made a film that connected with audiences on such a deep and, and emotional level as this one. You and your wife both worked on this film. How yeah, did, she, she's the producer and I'm the director. How long did you work on this, and, and what were the nuts and bolts of making it happen? About a year and a half from start to finish. You know, we raised all the money privately, we didn't get a penny from the school. I, th I think that would have kind of undercut the journalistic integrity of the film. Okay. So we, we didn't we didn't ask for any money from the school, nor nor did they give us any. Uh, we did it completely independently. I had final cut, and that's how we do all of our films. And so that's when you set out on telling a story like this. I think you begin painting in the very broadest of brushstrokes, meaning you know what are the three or four milestones to start with. Well, he was born in 1917. He became a priest, I want to say, 42. I think it was during World War II, he became a priest. He became the president of the University of Notre Dame in 1952. He retired in 1987. He died in 2015. So you kind of lay out, literally on a big piece of paper, a timeline. And those are the big, the big milestones, if you will. And then you just you start to fill in the gaps. And for me, to give you an idea of what it's like to make a documentary, did you ever do jigsaw puzzles? Are you much of a puzzle guy? I am not, but I've had family members that have. And sure. I've spent time sure. at, at a cabin up in Canada where when it rained for several days in the summer, uh, instead of going out fishing, we were stuck there and everyone else was putting the puzzle together. Yeah, I well, couldn't bring myself to do it, but other people did. So. Well, making a documentary film is a little bit like doing like a 1,500-piece jigsaw puzzle. You you cut open the box and you lift the lid open, and there's all these pieces, and they're not connected at all. And you have to go through very meticulously and sort them, uh, turn them all over so you can see what you know what's on the right side. You know, oftentimes you start building the frame first, like the, the perimeter of the puzzle. And then you just start chipping away section by section 
And before you know it, it really starts to take shape. That really is what making a documentary film is like, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's something that I'm, I feel very grateful that I get to do this with my wife and with our good friends who are, who are editors and, and camera people and producers, and, and uh, I really love it. I feel very blessed. Is this what you uh, thought you were going to do when you were at Notre Dame? Yeah, you know, I was the only eight-year-old on my block <laughs> who would run home Sunday night to watch 60 Minutes. I mean, I <laughs> loved that stuff. I really did. Mike Wallace, Harry Reasoner, yeah. um, you know, tick, that tick, whole tick, crew. Tick, tick, I, tick, I tick, loved yeah. them. <laughs> and even, but, but even, like, as a little kid, I just was fascinated by not so much the news, because the news is like a 24-hour, you know, it's a rat-a-tat-tat delivery of what's happening. 60 Minutes, or things on public television at the time, they went deeper. You really kind of got to understand a person's character and the background, and, and it was more colorful, and, and it wasn't the daily grind of the daily news. It, it, it had a depth to it, and... And that was always very appealing to me. And so I always wanted to do that when I was an adult, and I had really had no idea how to do that. I, I didn't know anyone who was a documentary filmmaker. I didn't really – I grew up in Chicago. I just didn't really have an end. And I got very lucky right out of Notre Dame. I was lucky enough to get an internship at public television in Chicago, WTTW. I spent three and a half years there, and I was I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Every single minute of that job, I learned how to shoot, I learned how to edit, I learned how to produce stories, and one thing led to another, and, and here I am years later, uh, I'm starting my eighth ninth film right now, so it's uh, it's fun, I really enjoy it, and I love doing this with my wife. Patrick, when we come back, I'd like to get a little more into some of the high points of uh, Father Hesburgh's life. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Patrick Creeden, who has produced a documentary on Father Ted Hesburg, who was the longtime and legendary president of Notre Dame University. And we will be right back. heard Deacon Steve lately? Wow! I, I mean, it can't get any more important than that. Amen. My brothers and sisters, get excited! John 10.10 says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. So far, so good. And how is this new year working out for you? The Holy Spirit is alive! Catch Empowered by the Spirit with Deacon Steve Greco. Sundays at 12 noon, right here on Relevant Radio. Hey, friends of Deacon Steve Greco and the Empowered by the Spirit radio show. It's not too late to join the team on a once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Italy. September 19th through the 30th, and the theme is Shrines, Saints, and Miracles. Join the Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry team, along with Father Mike Hannafin, Deacon Steve Greco, and his wife Marianne Greco, September 19th through the 30th. Time is short, so contact us right away to reserve your slot. The phone number is 949-981-0918. Again, that's 949-981-0918. Or just shoot us an email at marianne at spiritfilledhearts.org. 
That's Marianne with an E at spiritfilledheart.org. Join us for this once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Italy. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Patrick Creedon. And before we go any further into this last segment that we've got, Patrick, I want to say thank you so very, very much for being with us today. Uh, you have really enlightened, I think, our audience on the life of uh, Father Ted Hisberg. And for people who want to see this movie, since I, I think it's no longer in many of the theaters around the country, how would they go about finding out information about this, about getting a copy of this? It comes out on DVD in early September, and then later on this year it'll be available on like VOD, whether it's Netflix or Amazon Prime. We're, we're actually working out those details right now. But okay. the DVD uh, is available in early September. So this DVD has been out as this DVD. This movie has been out, but it's, the DVD has not come out yet. But it will be available through a major supplier, either Netflix or Amazon. It won't be that hard to come across. No, it'll be easy to find. Okay. In fact, you can pre-order it on Amazon right now. Oh, that's fantastic! So this is about Ted Hedsberg. Father Ted was this fantastic priest whose ministry was not only trying to lead Notre Dame, but from that platform leading a lot of historically um, troubled times in order to bring about reconciliation amongst a number of people. I don't know how else to put it, but that seems to be the theme of his life. What were some of the other highlights that you remember that stood out most for you when you were putting together this documentary on his life? Well, you think about May 4th, 1970, that was really the height of the student protests around Vietnam. And on that date... Four students were shot and killed at Kent State, and not that far away. away. Yeah, not that far away not from that Notre far Dame. Far away from Notre Dame, and about a hundred miles away, as those kids were getting shot, Father Ted was giving a huge speech on the campus. There were protesters. Um, there were people that were trying to shut down the campus and shut down the administration building, and Father Ted. You know, by, by the way, I should point out, this was all in reaction to the um, in, invasion of Cambodia, which had happened on April 30th. So it was a couple days earlier when we invaded Cambodia. And that, that's when the student protest really exploded. Yeah. Um, and what Father Ted said was he had come up with something called the 15-minute rule. And what that said was, listen, <laughs> you can protest all you want, by all means. If you want to peacefully protest on campus, you have every right to do so, and you're welcome to do that. However, you're not allowed to infringe on other people's educational opportunities. So what he's saying is, like, you cannot shut down a classroom. You cannot shut down a building. Um, for God's sake, you can't burn down a building. I'm not going to allow you to do that. And so the 15-minute rule said, if you are blocking a doorway or if this protest is starting to drift towards something that might get violent or out of hand, I'm going to give you a 15-minute timeout. And at the end of that time, I want you to pack up and go back to your dorm rooms or go back wherever and cool off. And if you don't, I'm going to kick you out of school. Wow. Well, you can imagine that the conservatives, especially especially President Nixon, they thought that Father Ted was a hero. 
he's he's finally reined in these student protesters. Well, the, the liberals and the students themselves, many of them thought this was terrible. Like, how could you how could you do this? You're infringing on our on our First Amendment right to protest. Father Ted had to straddle that line. And what happened is, like I said, on May 4th, 1970, when those four kids at Kent State were, were killed, in some ways, that's when his his genius was on full display. Because what he said that day was, he said, I think that violence on campuses is the worst way to react to the violence that we abhor in Southeast Asia. He said there's plenty of ways to protest. There's plenty of ways to let the president and Congress know that we are against this war. But being violent to each other is not one of those things. And I won't allow it on this campus under any circumstances. It's just, I think it's it's ironic and it's very poignant that he gave that speech as those four, four students were dying yeah. in Ohio. That's just one example of how Father Ted and his wisdom and his kindness and his leadership, he seemed to be, he, he seemed to be one of these people who just always made the right call. Some people thought he was real conservative. Many people thought he was way too progressive and too liberal. But at the end of the day, he, he, you couldn't paint him with any one brush. Uh, every problem had its own nuances and complexities, and he would take the time to try to understand them and to talk to people, and then he would offer his recommendations on what he think was the, what he thought was the best way to proceed. We just don't see that kind of leadership today. We have people who vote blue or they vote red. That's it. Now, I know that's oversimplifying it. There are some good leaders in Washington, but the truth is there's a lot of cowardice amongst our leadership class. Well, and what's interesting to me about Father Ted is that he was Father Ted. He he wasn't yeah. a politician. He wasn't. He didn't run for Congress. He didn't. And, and of course, priests aren't supposed to. Though we've we've had one or two, but he never tried to cross that line. His role wasn't to be a politician. It it was to help bring about some light when he encountered a great deal of friction and heat. And well, you make, yeah, you make a great point. Father Ted never had to face a reelection. And there's a certain Joe, freedom that comes with that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Joe, Joe Biden once said he was the most powerful unelected man in Washington. He could make the tough call and know that he wouldn't get voted out of office because he wasn't a, he wasn't a politician. It, it was it was in some ways it was it gave him the freedom that elected officials don't have. I know that he has had testimonials given on different interviews throughout the decades from um, from multiple presidents from both sides of the aisle. I've seen one. I don't know if they're in your movie or not, but I've seen one from uh, Bill Clinton. I've seen one from George H.W. Bush. I've seen uh, them from both sides of the aisle from multiple sectors. And we know that he not only did stuff for the Vatican, but he also did things, as we said, uh, around the world. What were some of the the last things that he did in his ministry before he was called home? Well, I'll try to keep this real brief, but in 2009, President Barack Obama was invited to speak at Notre Dame, and there was a big there was a big uproar um, about the fact that a, a 
president who was pro-choice, right. how could we, you know, how could Notre Dame invite him to campus? That was um, that was huge because it was it seemed was, so controversial. Yeah, the thing is, it was very controversial. But the thing is that Father Ted used to always say, you know, we've had a lot of people come to Notre Dame, and none of them have changed Notre Dame, but we've changed quite a few of them. He was confident enough in his own faith and confident enough in Notre Dame and what Notre Dame's mission is to educate and to be a crossroads of ideas um, that he was really happy to have the president come and speak. He was not president when Obama visited. He had been retired now for almost 20 years. But I think Father Ted was really happy to invite the president there and, and to have an exchange of ideas. That's what he thought a school should be. Well, and that's something that I think is being lost now on a number of campuses, left and right. And, and right now, you've got a lot of people who, if someone comes on campus who they disagree with, they'll shut them down, or will have uh, even violent protests that will that will erupt. And what's interesting about Father Ted is that, as you put it, a lot of people thought he was liberal. A lot of people thought he was conservative. He saw his role at trying to provide a forum in which the liberals and conservatives could come and talk to each other so a little more light could be had from the discussion in between. And it sounds like your documentary has done a good job in trying to present that aspect. If there's anything, any one thing that stood out for you in the minute or so that we have left to talk from your movie, what would it be that you'd want our audience to hear or see or notice? Well, you know, as a, as a Catholic, I think we need more stories of, of Catholic priests who are heroes. My cousin, Tom Powers, uh, is a Catholic priest. He's based in Bridgeport, Connecticut. He's wonderful. I, I love him dearly. And um, there's been so many heartbreaking stories about priests and priests who have, who have taken advantage of people. And... Obviously, that's not what the priesthood is, and that's not what the overwhelming majority of priests, that the role that, that most priests play in their communities is very positive and very loving and very helpful. And Father Ted serves as an example of what the priesthood should be and could be, and I think we really need that at this moment as well. Wow, that was very well said. Well, Patrick? Creedon, I want to thank you so very, very much for coming on to our program and sharing with the people of Southern California what this documentary was all about, Father Ted Hesburgh, who was such a remarkable uh, priest, a great president of Notre Dame, but also a great American who was able to bring um, a great deal of reconciliation and synergism to a number of different situations in American history that he helped influence and helped bring about uh, some wonderful resolution. And so thank you so very much for coming on, and we deeply appreciate your, your efforts. Well, thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you for giving us a chance to come together today to talk a little bit more about your servant, Father Ted Hesburgh. And we ask you to help us to focus our lives a little more perhaps, on how we can make a difference in bringing a little more light to the congestion around us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And again, Patrick, I want to thank you. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Patrick Creedon, and... 
If you would like to hear this again, you can either visit your, it yourself on our podcast or you can forward it to somebody else. You can find it at OCCatholic.com. And you can go to the radio tab. Tab down there. There's about eight programs we put on. The flagship, OC Catholic Radio, is right there. And it'll be there for you to be able to listen to anytime you'd like. Again, you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And we will see you again next week. From the tower. Beethoven 9 is all about brotherhood and humanity and people coming together. It's just such a perfect piece. If there ever was a time in our history that we all needed to come together, this is it. Christ Cathedral is the epitome of that. We have Chinese, Vietnamese, Spanish, English, Samoan, Filipino. <laughs> We've got it all right here on our Christ Cathedral campus every single Sunday. It's just amazing. Catch music from the tower with host John Romeri, Saturday nights at 10 on Relevant Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Deacon Steve Greco. I'm here with Katie Hughes, and we're talking about something incredibly exciting. What is that, Katie? Divine Mercy and Healing Retreat. And this is where? September 14th at St. Elizabeth of Hungary Parish in Altadena from 9 to 4 p.m. And you can register to hear these great speakers. Deacon Steve Greco, Father Michael Berry, Sister Martha Munoz, and Donna Lee. It'll be an opportunity to experience the great love and mercy of our Lord. My brothers and sisters, God's love is just so infinite and so powerful, and he wants to shower you with his grace. Come to this event, learn about divine mercy. We'll also have this healing service at the end. You will not regret it. For more information, contact us at info at spiritfilledhearts.org. That's info at spiritfilledhearts.org or call 949-514-5028. That's 949-514-5028. You can also visit our website, spiritfilledhearts.org and register there. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. We'll see you there. God bless you all. Want to know what the Diocese of Orange is up to? Come and see on Saturday, October 12th at our free Diocesan Ministry Celebration. Starts with Mass at 9 in the brand new Christ Cathedral. Hear from Bishops Kevin Van, Timothy Fryer, and Tontai as they each lead presentations in three different languages, English, Spanish, and Vietnamese, on the direction of the diocese and the increased focus on evangelization and faith formation. Go to rcbo.org slash dmc. That's rcbo.org slash dmc. We'll see you there. Hello there, Timory here from Trending with Timory. My guest this week on Trending is Michael Knowles from Daily Wire. We'll be talking about this preferred pronoun insanity that even people are expected to tell you what their preferred pronoun is in their email signature. We'll also be talking about Michael Knowles' conversion back into Catholicism. Make sure to join me for that and more on Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific here on Relevant Radio. My name is Nick Jordan. I'm the founder of Wells of Life. I'm here to tell you that there are 10 million people in Uganda without access to clean water. Imagine your water comes from a stream or pond shared with animals. Imagine that this water is loaded with parasites and disease. Each day you have to walk three miles to fetch this because it's all the water there is. So what can you do about this? The great news is you can do a lot. Go to wellsoflife.net and make a personal donation. 
Talk to your family, church, or company about funding your own well. Every penny goes to fund your well and will bring water and life to as many as a thousand parishioners in rural Uganda for up to 20 years. Go to wellsoflife.net and make a personal donation. wellsoflife.net